Green Diva's radio show. Hey, Green Diva Lynn. Hey, Green Diva Meg. How are you? I am great. Me too. Well, we're, you know, we're just busy uh, doing our part to save we're the planet. We're running around with our hair on fire. <laughs> it's Green sort of, smoke is billowing behind us, I but st- it's non-toxic. I still think that we have to create an emoticon because we use Skype to communicate through the day because if you haven't figured it out, Lynn's in Chicago and I'm here in New Jersey and we communicate by Skype all day. And they have those cute little emoticon things mm-hmm. and we communicate by emoticon half the time. Don't they One need- of my favorites is the sheep. You use that quite often. Yes, I've got the pooping sheep, which is not in their repertoire on their thing. We f- discovered it somewhere else. <laughs> so who makes these things and how can we get, um, you know, a green diva running around with her hair on fire? I think that would be awesome. We need that. Yeah, I know. We need that. Designers. Especially emo- recently. Emoticon designers. Because, yeah, we're busy, uh, you know, doing our part to ch- save the world. That's right. So Welcome we on today's show. Yeah, we have uh, our feature today is Angela Sun, who is a filmmaker She's also a journalist. She's a sports journalist, and she got really... Oh, I didn't know she was a sports journalist. Yeah, she is, and she became aware. You know, I think she's covered a lot of uh, water sports. I don't know exactly, but she became aware of the issue of plastic in the oceans and the health of our oceans and how it was affecting marine life. And she got very, she was going to do a story about it. And then it just really evolved into a film and it's called Plastic Paradise. And I've seen it. Yeah, I, I need to see it still. And I'm telling you, like, you know, you and I are pretty well informed about these things. Mm-hmm. There were things in there I just had never, ever, like, oh, my gosh, never uh, thought of, didn't know, didn't know their statistics wow. and, and really good um, animation and illustrations to help us understand what's happening. And like, So it's a must-see film. It's definitely. Then we got a chance to talk to, of course, our uh, one of our favorite green dudes who likes to call himself a green devo. Which, Which is the opposite of technically, Diva, officially. Yeah, officially. Uh, Mike Novak, who's one of our awesome uh, show hosts on the Green Divas Network, The Mike Novak Show. So he's like a master gardener. Aside from being a fabulous sort of environmental radio show guy, he's a master gardener. And he, so we were talking about pollination. Mm-hmm. Could talk to that guy all day. He's really a good conversationalist. Yeah, we talked to him uh, when I was out there. Yes, you were in the studio. You were in the house. <laughs> now, well, and he's fun to talk to. He really is. So now you did a really good M-M-E, I was going to say My Earth 360 because my notes say M-E 360. Mm-hmm. Get it? Yeah. I get it. Anyway, Green Diva's My Earth 360 today, which was informative and actually much more encouraging than not, which is always good. Yeah, I just couldn't seem to find a WTF story today. Well, you know. I'm sure there's got to be one out there, but, you know. I think it's okay, you know, like yeah, sometimes. Yeah, we're taking a break from that. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is, but mm-hmm. I kind of feel good that you had a hard time finding, you know, WTFs today. So then we talked to Chandler 
Um, he is one of the spokespiece people. He's an energy efficiency expert for the EPA and the Energy Star residential program. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, giving us some tips for getting ready for the winter. And, you know, again, I thought I was pretty informed and I heard of something I'd never heard of and never thought of. And apparently I'm going to have to do now in my old house. So everyone will have to stay tuned for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, he, he's very, very nice guy and very informed. So, And then isn't there a uh, quick gardening segment? No, I don't think today. I don't think oh, we have I'm time. Sorry. I don't think what we have do to, I know? next week, people. So, real quick, buygreen.com, and not, you know, not to de-emphasize because we love buygreen.com, the best green stuff on the planet for home or office. Go to you, thegreendivas.com. That's T H E greendivas.com slash marketplace. Yeah, and look at the top banner. Click there and shop away, people. Christmas is coming. Get your good green and goods. other holidays. Um, and now we have like five seconds, so I'm just going to say uh, please check out our uh, crowdfunding campaign. For yes, please. Fund, it's, uh, go to fundgdgd.com. It's on Fanback. F-U-N-D. F-U-N-D, gdgd.com, and check out all the cool stuff there. Again, Christmas shopping. Indeed. All right. Stay tuned, people. Lots of great stuff coming up. Overwhelmed by environmental news? Listen to the Green Divas My Earth 360 report for the latest eco-news bits from around the globe, carefully curated and borne by our need to say WTF. But we also love to share encouraging stories and, of course, ways that you can make your voice count for the Earth. It's not just My Earth. It's our Earth. And together, we can make a difference. This segment is sponsored by TerraPass. Clear the air with carbon offsets at TerraPass.com. All right, another exciting episode of Green Diva's My Earth 360. Hi, Green Diva Lynn. Hi, Green Diva Meg. How are you? I'm okay. I'm um, just okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My feet are freezing. They're just perpetually oh. cold. Hey, it's December. What are you going to do? Yep, December 2. Except, you know, if people stay tuned today, they're going to hear from Energy Star Man, who, Chandler, who gave, gave us some good ideas, things that I hadn't thought of. So there you go. Well, very good. I can't yeah. wait to hear it. So what's going on uh, the earth? Well, here's some good news for New Jersey. You'll appreciate this. Oh, okay. Old rolling has been banned in New Jersey. Oh, seriously? I, I know. Isn't that great? I am so, so... hopefully that will come into play in the rest of the states. Yeah, because that's just ridiculous. And for those who don't have any idea what coal rolling is... Right. Uh, it's These are vehicles that install smokestacks on... Like trucks themselves. with the cab? Yeah. Trucks, yeah. It disables their pollution controls. Yeah. And it's really kind of a statement when they um, blow smoke yeah. in front of Priuses and things like that. And, and it's just adding per- fine particulate matter into the air, which is causing a lot of uh, tens of thousands, apparently, the fed- according to the federal government. Tens of thousands of premature deaths each year are caused by soot 
and fine particulate matter. So they're just adding to that. It's really kind of a silly statement well, it's to be a making weird, when you're trying to harm, I mean, it's harming people. So It's a weird belligerent thing that seems to be aimed at people who want to drive energy-efficient cars, hybrids, EVs, because I've seen them with bumper stickers that actually are like, kind of nasty towards like take this yeah, they're Prius. They're stick it to uh, people who care about the environment. Anyway, I don't know what that's about, but people, no, I'm, I'm pretty, yeah, all right, so. So it's good news. New Jersey's gotten that right. Yeah. Yeah, baby. And uh, here's an interesting thing. Butterflies can benefit from oil spills. Oh, that's kind of upsetting. <laughs> yeah, well, here's the deal. Uh, a company in Quebec is, uh, they came up with a, a way to clean up oil spills by producing the world's only industrial crop of milkweed. Oh, So weird. it's going to be a new kind of way to absorb oil. Oh, dear. So, so this is a genetically engineered milkweed? No, it's just a regular one. Oh, okay. I don't think it's oh, okay. GMO at all. Okay. Uh, they're going to be supplying 50 national parks in Canada with milkweed. So that the, it'll just be growing, and that way it'll actually be helping the butterfly because yeah, the butterflies, the monarch butterfly, has uh, been seeing a steep decline. Right. And by planting the milkweed along their migration route, it should help them help them out. So milkweed. Not helps. that we want oil spills, of course. No. So let's it... hope there are no oil spills, yeah. and this milkweed just grows all over the place. Gee, what fun is that? So milkweed actually helps absorb and cleanse oil spills. Well, that's what they're thinking. Well, who knew? I know. All right. Uh, this is all good of news. clean energy or not clean energy, Yeah. it turns out, according to a report in Canada just recently, I think it just came out today. Well, Canadians yesterday. are very busy, you know, with stuff up there, right? They're very busy. <laughs> I mean, it... um, well, they're busy doing things in the boreal forest. To okay. extract tar sands, which is bad news. Yeah, that's a bummer. But they're all, they also have a lot of investment in clean energy. And the report that came out uh, is kind of surprising that clean energy provides more jobs than the, the oil sands, which is Gee. huge. Yeah. Um, Isn't that the biggest complaint that the you know uh, people who are supporting the tar sands Keystone XL pipeline that it's going to kill jobs if we don't do it? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Exactly. All so right. their employment in Canada's clean energy sector has jumped 37% in the past five years. And it now exceeds employment in the oil sands. So that's great news. Yeah. Yay. And speaking of the oil sands, Hillary Clinton, recent, Clinton recently spoke at a League of Conservation Voters in Midtown, uh, I guess, a meeting or a dinner or whatever, in Manhattan uh, this week. Yeah. And she was pretty silent. She didn't really bring up the tar sands and the Keystone XL pipeline that will pump the tar sands oil right. from the oil sands through the U.S. Yes. Uh, over a very large aquifer. Can't remember of the the name of that aquifer. Is that the one? It's got a fun name. Is this the talk where she was, you know, sort of seemed like she was supporting fracking? Uh, yes, she um, she did call for next generation power plants, smarter grids, greener buildings. 
She acknowledges climate change, that it is an issue, but she does say that, her, uh, to quote her, yes, natural gas can play an important bridge role in the transition to a cleaner, greener economy. But she did add that safeguards should be in place to minimize environmental risk. All right. Well, so there was a huge. The huge headline was Hillary praises fracking. Stay silent on Keystone. Well, I don't know if we could call that a praise necessarily. I mean, I right. wasn't there for the speech, so maybe yeah. she, you know, context people was Let's... dancing uh, in front of people about natural gas. I don't know. And yeah, uh, I agree. Um, it has to kind of be. We can't just shut off the spigot on natural gas. No, we just have to I'm be heating my home smart with that. about it. We have to be smart about it, people. Exactly. And be safe so about it. And you know, we need if, a safer method for extracting the stuff. And for some of us who want to support Hillary, should she decide to run for president, mm-hmm. I think we should just let her know. Just let her know like that we feel strong. I will let her know that I feel strongly about it. Cause I of am going to call her right <laughs> after we talk here. I'm going to just call her I'm right now. Get her on the phone. Come on, Hill. The old-fashioned way. Anyway. Calling her up. All right. So this is all actually mostly good news today. I like it. Thank you. Do you want Lynn. one more good news thing? No, we got to close this segment oh, off, darn man. It. I'm so sorry to cut you off, but, you know, too all much right. good stuff. What are you going to do? Save it for next week. Will do. All right. Thanks, Lynn. Thanks, Green Diva Meg. Stay tuned, people. This segment has been sponsored by TerraPass. Remember to get your carbon offsets at TerraPass.com. Get all the details from this Green Divas My Earth 360 report and lots more on thegreendivas.com. That's T H E GreenDivas.com and MyEarth360.com. Looking for low stress ways to create a healthier, non toxic environment in your home? The Green Divas make it fun and easy with useful information for making a beautiful and eco-friendly Green Diva home. Well, it's really good timing to be talking to Chandler von Schroeder. Schroeder. Oh, I knew I was going to massacre. Oh, that's okay. Chandler von Schroeder. Thank you, von Schroeder. I tried to spell it phonetically even, and I, I couldn't even read my handwriting. Oh, that happens a lot. He is a spokesperson, energy efficiency expert and spokesperson for the EPA who's helping uh, folks with heating and cooling energy efficiency. He works with the Energy Star Residential Program, and he's going to talk to us a bit about Things that we can do um, that are pretty low stress to get ourselves more energy efficient for the big winter. Hi, Chandler. Hello. Glad to be here. Thank you for taking some time out. I bet you're busy right now telling all of us how to do these things. Well, there's, you know, really a lot to do. I mean, the winter is just, is, I guess it's here, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, uh, December's happened. I think a lot, large parts of the country have had some uh, some cold snaps already and yeah. snow and um, folks kind of wake up to the um, issues of maybe I can um, uh, maybe I should be taking some steps to make this home a little bit more comfortable. Right. Uh, reduce the energy use. Um, so you know what can I do? Um, and Energy Star, um, you know we have lots of recommendations. And really, right off the top, I'd, I'd encourage folks who are 
concerned about their energy use and their house being uncomfortable, to visit our website, energystar.gov. Good idea. You know, and from there, there's just a, a, just a wealth of information and guidance. Um, depending on just, you know, where, you know, what, what specifically the, the homeowner's uh, challenges are. Right. So now, for instance, I'm in a drafty, you know, circa 1900 big old stucco house, and I'm sitting in my studio, and it, my feet are freezing, and yeah. I can't seem to get myself warm. <laughs> I feel a little breeze. <laughs> yeah, I tell you, those older houses, um, you know, they, they can be beautiful, but they can be quite a challenge to um, condition. Yes. Um, you know, I... I um, Really, one of the first things you'd want to do in, in a case like that, if uh, depending on you know, your level of uh, do-it-yourselfness, if that's such My a husband's problem. pretty good. My husband's okay. really handy. Okay, great. Well, then let's have him go up in the attic. Okay. Let, let's start there and uh, get up in the attic. And the first thing he's going to want is, do you have a, a pull-down stairs or yes. a settle hatch? Yes. Okay, you have a pull-down stairs. So do you have a, a thermal tent over those stairs? Well, gosh, probably not. Okay, bang, right there. You've got a big hole in your attic, if you will, that has no insulation. And those stairs probably don't shut very tight up against that ceiling frame. Right. So that's uh, it's amazing how much air, uh, and, you know, through the stack effect, warm air rising. Right. Moving into that attic and getting the heck out. Yeah, and, and yep. you know, I've never even heard of a thermal tent. So this is really interesting. I'm sure this is something we could get at... You know, Home Depot or a yeah. hardware store. Yeah. Or your husband can make it out of a foam board, as I did at my place. Oh, okay. Fine. All right. So you have you have all this uh, warm air easily flooding into the attic. Guess what happens? Right. Bye-bye. Well, yes, and for every cubic foot of warm air that migrates into the attic, a cubic foot of cold air enters the house, generally at the lower levels, oh. the basement. Oh, so there's like an exchange when there isn't a thermal tent of some kind. It's an exchange. Well, yes. Um, what, what leaves must be replaced. Yeah. What's, what's, what's coming in is cold and dry in the wintertime. Yeah. And you, you've already paid for that heat to race up into the attic and leave. Another real problem in attics is uh, all the penetrations, the wiring, the plumbing stacks, the recess of light. Yes. So um, not only do we advocate, you know, getting the house, the attic, well insulated and, and of course, that, uh, that area above your stairs, but plug all the holes first, seal them with expanding foam and or caulk, and, and get a real tight lid, and then add the insulation. Right. So, so those, um, and that's something that a lot of homeowners can do. you got to be careful up there, but um, you know, that, that will have a big impact on the, the overall comfort of your house. Now, the per- the people that lived here before us, by the way, had like an obsession with having a TV in every single room, and it's a large house, and I'm not kidding. Yeah. So, like, we were sitting in this uh, little butler's pantry. It has a little kitchen table in it, and there's a little hole underneath the window. Like, right, there's a little breeze coming right through. Sure. So yeah. we're just finding these little things. We're going to patch them all up, right? Yeah, Um Again, you know, the biggest holes, uh, the, the driving holes, are the ones in the attic. Um, okay. The, the ones around the uh, the perimeter of the house are certainly important, but they're not they're not the real big ones. Okay. Um, so let's if we can seal up that attic, uh, now you don't have the air leaving, which is forcing the air to come in those little holes all over the house. So it it really kind of is a, um, a plug the leaks kind of uh, attack. Okay. 
plug the leaks kind of attack. That's funny. <laughs> it, it, it really goes a long way to improving the comfort. Another thing, do you have fire fireplaces? We have two of them. Okay. Are your um, dampers closed? Sometimes. Okay. Well. <laughs> <laughs> but you see what happens is, is we have gas for the first time, gas stoves ever, because we used to have all wood. Uh-huh. And... Um, you know, I turn them on a lot more than usual, and I keep forgetting to open the damper, and I've, you know, nearly asphyxiated myself. Yeah, you got to be careful. Um, so these are open fire, fire gas fireplaces. You can actually touch the the flame if you so yeah. chose. Yeah. Okay, yeah. 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 Certainly, they you they need to be cracked. You got to allow that that CO to to exit. Um, where you may have a traditional fireplace with wood, um, it's extremely inefficient. I I recommend folks. I yeah. Should, thousands of energy audits yep. don't use that fireplace to heat it's just save it for romance exactly you know and and when you're not romancing make sure that that damper is closed and if you don't use it at all it's good to stuff up um and what some folks call a chimney pillow to really plug that that's a big hole and yeah plug that hole and leave leave a note there of course at the chimney <laughs> for <pillow>. santa <laughs> yeah don't don't come down, Santa. Now, in our last house, we had a beautiful insert that had super glass doors and some yeah. kind of, um, it was almost like a wood stove. And it was inserted into the fireplace, and it was attractive, and it had a heat little exchanger thingy, and it was brilliant. And yeah. um, we don't have that here, but we okay. had that with our wood fireplace. Yeah, those, those, can, um, those can work pretty darn well. Right. You, you use them correctly. All right. So what what is the other number one thing people can do? Maybe they don't have a fireplace. Maybe they you know don't have an attic issue. What else can they do? Well, um, there's you know lots of little things you can do. Um, um, again, going to our you know energystar.gov uh, site is great. You can create a um, in, um, an energy home advisor account, and you can put in some information about your energy use and your type of house, and it'll. It'll give you some information and some guidance of, of what you can do, but oftentimes you know you know you just walk around the house and make sure that your if you have storm windows that your storm windows are closed. Um, getting your heating and cooling system, you know, getting that winter tune-up, right. is a smart thing to do. Yes, um, and changing that that air filter is important. If you haven't done that, you should do that, you know, three and four, five times a year, depending on how busy your house is. Um, you know, when these when these filters clog up, it restricts the airflow, and consequently, you, you're just not getting as much air as you want at the registers in your room. Um, another big one, of course, is you know using your thermostat smartly. Getting a um, setback thermostat and using it correctly can have a pretty profound savings. You know, um, $150, $200, depending on where you are. Yeah. Um, you know, no sense warm in the house when you're not there. Right, or, or at night when you're all snuggled under yeah. your your blankets, right? Sure, sure. Yeah, no, we no, no. have we have one of those timer ones that, you know, Good. my husband is smart enough to program properly, and yeah. uh, it works brilliantly. They, they sure can. And, uh, and another real simple one is just, you know, closing drapes at night yeah. in, in the winter. Um, you know, put a little bit more... Uh, uh, thermal, if you will, on your windows. If yep. you have drapes, use them. And like when the sun is out and the sun can come in, let it in. Yes. Um, you know, we we tend not to participate in the um, the energy uh, conservation opportunities in our house, and it and, you know it takes a, a little bit of doing, but you know you know, get that thermostat taken care of. You know, adjust the windows, use the blinds, close. 
make sure things are closed tightly. Um, get your system tuned up. Um, obviously, you know, get energy efficient lighting and power strips so you're not running, you know, so you don't have everything plugged in and that vampire load of, yeah. um, you, know, of you know, 40, 50 watts, you know, on all the time. Well, so these are all really good, and a couple of them, they're sort of new to me. So I'm hoping that this will be helpful for our audience, and we can obviously talk to you again about more of these things oh, in detail. So, again, everybody can go to energystar.gov. Thank you again, Chandler. All right. I enjoyed it. Find out more about this Green Divas at Home segment and lots of other great, low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green at thegreendivas.com. That's T-H-E, greendivas.com. Give the gift of less carbon pollution this year. A carbon offset represents the reduction of one metric ton of carbon dioxide emissions. TerraPass offers carbon offset gift packages that include a unique gift with each purchase, ideal for environmentalists, travelers, or just those hard-to-shop-for people. Go to terrapass.com holiday to feel great about your gift-giving this year. Every Green Diva needs a sidekick. At the Green Divas radio show, they're called Green Dudes. Time now for a deeper shade of green from a guy's perspective. Oh, we are going to rock out today talking with our favorite Green Divo. Yeah. And people, go look that up, D-I-V-O, because really the opposite of a Green Diva is not as we always thought it should be, a dude. Mm Mm-mm. Uh, and Mike, Mike Novak schooled us. Hey, Mike. Hey. We got. We got. I, of course, I'm still. Uh, I'm still arguing for spelling it D E V O, but I think I'm going <laughs> to lose that argument. Yes, <laughs> it's D I V O. Well, because Devo isn't that the band? That's the band with from the, the 80s. I saw them at the Ratskeller in Boston, man. <laughs> oh my yeah. goodness. I know. I'm old. What can I say? <laughs> so hey, listen. I was tell. I was telling somebody the other day that I was at the Moody Blues Farewell Tour in wow. Ann Arbor in, in 1974, okay? Mm, wow. And they still do farewell tours <laughs> for Moody Blues. <laughs> They've been doing farewell tours ever since. Yeah, isn't that funny? <laughs> I know. Well, so let's talk pollinators, man. We were, you know, we decided that one of the topics, you're also a master gardener. In addition to being a fabulous radio show host of the Mike Novak Show, so, soon to be on the Green Divas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wait a minute. Right. Right. Forget the pollinators yeah, for a minute. We gotta here. talk about that. We gotta talk about that <laughs> because we are really excited. We have, you know, our our first beta version of the Green Divas. Green Divas. Okay. The Green Divas Global <laughs> Digital Radio Network. Bada. Dedicated to green and healthy living. Yes, thank you very much. With the best content, and and we can say that because um, we got the Mike Novak show, in mm-hmm. addition to the Green Divas. So well, I can't argue with you there because you're speaking the truth. You know, so. hey. Um, so <laughs> it's going to stream live. Well, not live, but it's going to stream 
every Wednesday the new show will go up, the Mike Novak show, the two-hour version. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think it'll be from 2 to 4. That's what we've kind of decided. 2 to 4 Eastern time. Eastern time. So you'll know for sure because it'll be in the schedule. Stay tuned for that. So exciting. Yeah, it is very exciting. Thanks, Mike. We really are thrilled to have you on board. Thank you for being our beta man. Beta Devo. I like being the beta guy. The beta Devo. That's all right with me. Is that is that <laughs> like being a? Is it the same as being a backdoor man too? <laughs> hey, whatever. I was thinking Beta Max. <laughs> anyway, so uh, and but they're not they're not uh, uh, nailed down to that two hour slot, is it? Doesn't it rebroadcast at various times? Or it will rebroadcast. But the first, but the fresh version, the the first yeah, uh, new is show is always going to be two to four. Two to on four on Wednesday. Yeah. You betcha. It'll be so exciting. It, I can't it, wait. I know. I am stoked myself. We're lucky, Green Divas. And we're here in uh, Jersey. You're in Chicagoland. And we are hanging out, as promised, in our pajamas. Oh, yeah, that's right. We did talk and about I, that. Why, why do I not have my Skype on? That's <laughs> what I want to know. Well, it wouldn't do you any good because mine's not turned on. That camera is turned off. <laughs> <laughs> Mine has uh, uh, duct tape over the lens, so, oh, just really? so nobody funny. sees me in my jammies. That's yeah. funny. <laughs> See, well, we were going to describe these sexy green divas jammies, and it turns out it's like yoga pants, sweatshirts. An old ragged sweatshirt, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Oh, well, I thought it was part of the green diva swag. Yeah, the swag. The green lingerie. You, you know, <laughs> we you, are modeling it as we speak. We've got the, the holidays coming up. You know, you should be marketing the Green Divas jammies. Yeah, you know, that's a good idea. I think there's a, there's an idea right there. And that, But back to pollinators. That's a good segue <laughs> to pollinators, I think, right there. Let's, let's go pollinate. Yeah. Oh, my God. I know. We're, out, we're off the trail. It's too much fun. I love I this guy. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, interesting because here we, here we are going into the winter and, of course, uh, you guys are in Jersey. I'm in Chicago. Last year, uh, we had a, a brutal winter oh, here. I'm not God. sure how too many polar vortexes going on well. there. Yeah, it was pretty rough here too. It was very cold. I can't take it if we have another winter like that. Well, we might, and it's you know it's part of uh, the whole climate change scenario, yeah. um, and the volatility of our weather is part of that. I was just listening to a conversation. Uh, by a woman who was talking about NOAA, the National uh, Oceanographic and Atmospheric Administration, right. and all the political battles going on there and how they um, are 400 weather people down. I mean, they, they need that staff. They don't hmm. have them. The, the satellites are going out of date. They're, they're ancient satellites, wow. and the question is whether the... Um, uh, defense satellites are going to have to pick up the slack and, and look at our weather. It seems insane well, that in the era of climate change huh. that we don't have the proper uh, information coming in to NOAA. Well, there's a job market wow. there. Anybody in school want to learn? Mm-hmm. You know Exactly. Well, you know, and, and it, if I had it to do over again, uh, meteorology would be high on the list. Mm-hmm. I have become a weather geek uh, and uh, and I love on my own radio show the segment I have with meteorologist Rick DeMaio. I know Lynn, you've heard him; mm-hmm. he's fabulous. Yeah. Um, 
and he's uh, from the. Uh, he's actually from out your way. He's from out east, and oh, yeah? he's a transplanted uh, Easterner. He's in Chicago now. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, you know, it's odd we're talking about pollinators at that at this time because here we go in the cold weather and we don't think about them in the winter. Right. Uh, and yet we we need to because come spring we have to um, remember that our pollinators are under threat too, and it's mostly because of habitat loss. Right. I had um, Dr. Marla Spivak on my radio show a couple of Sundays ago, and we got to to talking about this issue of of what's happening with our pollinators. And, you know, most people focus on bees and honeybees. Right, but there's bats, right? You know, Apis mellifera is not a native species in the United States. Really? We oh. brought these over. They're called, this is the reason they're called European honeybees. Okay. Uh, so we have created these colonies because they're the most efficient pollinators, or at least we have thought that they were the most efficient pollinators. But we have all kinds of native pollinators. Um, and one of the things that she pointed out, you know, as we're dealing with the decline of honeybees and the fact that they're losing up to 30% of the honeybees uh, per year. So coming out of winters now, you can expect to see about 30% loss in your honeybees, and in some cases up to 50%. Wow, Um, And I've talked to those people in the the business, and first of all, it's it's hard on them emotionally. They care about their bees. Yeah. Um, These these are living creatures. These these colonies um, are very important to the the beekeepers, mm-hmm. uh, but you know. Secondly, it's a business. How do you how do you maintain a business if you lose fifty percent of your inventory every season? Yeah, yeah. How does that happen? Yeah. Um, and uh, a key factor in this is is what's happening. The same thing that's happening to monarch butterflies, which is the loss of habitat. In the case of the monarchs, it's because we keep uh, destroying the milkweed. Right. that they survive on. Is it too late to uh, plant milkweed, by the way? Have I missed my window? Uh, yeah. Darn well, it. you know what? No, 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 no. Actually, no. What people do is uh, at this time of year, you and I still have some milkweed pods in the back, my backyard. Scatter. Um, by the alley. I planted all of this milkweed by the uh, alley. And a lot of those plants are still there. And what you do is you can take one of those pods, and they call them milkweed bombs, and you, you throw it into a field. Uh-huh. And that, you know, releases all those seeds. And uh, many of them, or, or at least some of them, will germinate in the spring. Right. Uh, so you could do that. Uh, uh-huh. I'm not sure exactly what the viability is at this time of the season, but I suspect it's decent. Yeah, um, still be something. Uh-huh. That you could still do that. Yeah, because um, I've got some seed. Now, what about other pollinators, like the ones we, we don't think about as much being bats and birds and migratory birds and such? Well, we know that bats are under threat. Yeah, and so are um, the songbirds. And songbirds. You know, it's it's estimated, well, there's just, there's, we're really good at uh, wiping out our uh, animal populations, aren't we? It's not yeah. good um, thing, I mean, I don't know the numbers. I don't have the numbers in front of me uh, in terms of how many birds are killed by flying into buildings. Oh, yeah. It's but millions. It's astonishing. 
That's it's light pollution that causes some of that. Mm-hmm. They get very yeah. confused. And there's actually a movement in Chicago to turn off those lights, and it has been successful. Is that the flap, um, or what is it called? Dark night? Well, there's no. dark skies. There's <laughs> dark the dark sky. sky and there's also flap, but that's Canadian, I think. And I can't remember no, what it stands No, all right, for. now I'm going to have to go look up uh, whatever it was in Chicago, because yeah. a, a friend of mine... Um, I, I, and I talked about this on the show, I don't know, several months ago. Um, and uh, if I can find it before our conversation is over, I'll get you the uh, the information. Well, there, and we'll put there it are in, programs. What? Well, I was going to say we'll put it in whatever post because I know there's going to be a post that accompanies this particular segment and podcast. Uh-huh. And I know you'll have a lot of information. We can put a link in there for, you know, uh, birds, bats. <laughs> All of our pollinators. And ways to take action. And ways to take action for the bees. and I mean, there's the neonicotinoid problem. Neonicotinoid. Yeah. I love saying right. that word. I know. I and they are enough. powerful chemicals. And, you know, and Europe has banned some of them. Uh, the interesting thing when you talk to scientists about neonicotinoids is that most scientists will not say that that is the smoking gun when mm-hmm. it comes to bee loss. They will say it's part of the problem, right? right. And undoubtedly, it is. Yeah. Um, but there are so many things that are we even before neonicotinoids were introduced, there was bee decline. The colony decline. collapse disorder. Well, no, that 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 um, even before colony collapse disorder, which started around 2006, right. uh, bees were in decline, and mainly because of the introduction of a mite called the varroa mite. Right, right, right. Uh, and if and and if you look at a graph uh, from uh, starting in the right after World War II, right, uh, you can see the decline start. Uh, and it's it's kind of fascinating, and then of course it accelerates uh, when uh, we get to uh, 2006, and then suddenly bees were disappearing from hives. And I and don't think was... people understand. They're starting to more and more, but I don't think folks generally understand how important pollinators are for our food system. Like literally. There are, yeah, they're not making the connection yeah, for some reason. Yeah, if bees disappeared, there'd be no more almonds. I mean, there'd be you know, straw, whatever. There's a whole lot of common foods that we're addicted to, <laughs> take you know, for granted. Interesting. Almonds are an interesting case. And, and I made the argument when I was talking to Dr. Spivak on my show. I, I asked her, I said, should we be growing almonds anymore here in the United States? Well, it's, it's this huge crop, and it's worth... Untold dollars. Right. I, I, I couldn't even estimate what it is. But to get it, you have to bring 60% of the honeybee hives in the United States to California wow. to mm. pollinate the almond crop. So really? you've got 60%, yes, of fully 60% of the bees in the United States are shipped to California. So you can pollinate this crop, which... Uh, uses also a lot of water, and yeah. guess where they're growing yeah. it? In yeah. a drought area. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. They're right. There's think? a case to consider, you know, yeah, not growing. And that's quite a, like... quite a bit of commuting for those bees, too. <laughs> that retired. might be part of the problem. <laughs> they're tired. 
Well, it was interesting because I thought, I mentioned that, I said, this must be stressful for the bees. And um, uh, Dr. Spivak said, no, they actually kind of like it, you know, bouncing along in a truck like that. Um, it, <laughs> Did they fill out a survey after and, the ride? Or? <laughs> I guess. Um, <laughs> although she said, but, you know, it does get wearing, after, you know, if you're doing it uh, all the way across the country as it would for anybody who's yeah. driving yeah. all the way across the country. That's a, that's a long trip. <laughs> Road trip. Well... So, you know. There's a lot of factors here, and and the other thing that's kind of frustrating is that we we can we can map what's happening to our honeybees because we have the colonies and it's a business, and you can count the number of colonies right. that you have. Right. But our native pollinators uh, are much harder. Yes. To uh, to count and to understand uh, how they're doing, and we're she's concerned. That because we we don't pay as much attention to the native pollinators, yeah. uh, that they might be in decline. And she says there's you know certain species that they just don't see anymore. Yes, and it makes them worried. Yeah, um, yeah, we should be. And worried. then of course, you know, fifty thousand bumblebees were killed in Oregon last year mm-hmm. when some idiot landscaper sprayed linden trees that were in bloom Ugh. with a neonicotinoid. Ugh, yeah. And, it, and of course, the bumblebees came over and died. And the reason was, well, we were afraid there might be aphids in the trees, uh, which would create honeydew, and then the cars would no, below would get sticky stuff on them. Oh, gosh. Even though what a tragedy. nobody had ever complained about that. Oh, that's so a... This is the kind of... Yeah. This is the kind of stupid, stuff that we Stupid human behavior. Mm-hmm. <laughs> This is what I yeah, call... but the largest and you know fifty fifty thousand bumblebees died, and the largest fine was about five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. That's just wrong. This is why you know you've got to make it hurt. You got to put that business out of business if you're that stupid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's that's the frustrating thing to me is that we don't we don't put enough emphasis on it, and the the, the fines are not punitive. They're not even a slap on the wrist. I could have written a five hundred dollar check well i think for that what it is is that as a society we have to understand the value the real real value of these things um of bees and pollinators and nature and over you know our cars getting a little bit of freaking whatever honey suckle i'm sorry (laughs) i'm about to flip out so (laughs) now we have to we have to like close up i could talk to you all day mike we could we're having a good time um, but I want to encourage people, as we always do, as we mm-hmm. always do, to visit the Mike Novak show, and that's N O W A K. In case that's it, right. anybody wants to actually spell it correctly, and um, you know, we're gonna... <laughs> in case, and nobody really wants to. I uh, know nobody <laughs> wants to, but they, if they want to find you, so. But also start looking for Mike on the Green Divas Network, mm-hmm. both on our site and in our. Um, Radio show, streaming, and podcasts. Yay! So great to have you on I'm the show, Mike. I'm very excited about it. This is going to be really a, a lot of fun and looking forward. And, Meg, of course, um, uh, Lynn has already been on my show. Yes, I have. Uh, so you need to uh, be next. on my show, and we're going to have that soon. Oh, my turn. Yay! Oh, that'll be fun. We can just, you know, play some more. Thank you, Mike. Uh, Cross-pollination. Uh, oh. Sorry. Ta-da. Ta-da. She's uh, so clever. 
All right. Bye, Mike. Talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Want more information on this Green Dude segment and other ideas for low-stress green living? Go to thegreendivas.com. That's T-H-E, greendivas.com. The Green Divas get to talk to so many inspiring people who each in their own way is helping us find a deeper shade of green. Here's just one of them. Enjoy. Wow. I just have been watching this film, Plastic Paradise, and um, I really think everybody should watch this. And I know an awful lot about this topic, but I still learned some pretty shocking things. So we're going to have a discussion with Angela Sun, who is the director and executive producer of this fabulous film. She's also a sportscaster, television journalist. Hi, Angela. Hi, how are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for taking time with us. Um, I was really impressed with your film. It was very well put together. But in particular, you know, you, you really gathered a cohesive amount of data and information and conveyed it in a way, you know, you had great little graphics. And, uh, and I like that you put yourself on the line there uh, with your BPA test. <laughs> Thank you. It was definitely a labor of love. It's been uh, a long time working on it. Well, tell folks a bit about how you came to, to do this film. Um, you know, I started out, um, I mean, my background is sports media and sports journalism, and um, I was working for a network at the time um, where we were, you know, able to pitch our own stories, and um, this was supposed to be just a story, maybe a 10-minute story or whatnot, and it turned into morphed into so much more, um, and eight years later, here we are. So um, just, I was curious as a person, you know, as a diver and a surfer and paddleboarder, you know, what was going on with the state of our oceans, and as you dive deeper, you know, there's much more beyond below the surface. Um, literally and, and figuratively. Liter- yeah, literally and figuratively. So considering that it covers over 75% of the earth water in our oceans, um, there's a lot we don't know about it. And the more I learned, the longer the piece got. And um, that's how it became a film. But I never really sought out to do a film. It's my first feature-length one. And um, it's been quite hard Um yeah, I you know I didn't go through the typical film school route or anything, and um, I feel like if you have producing skills and um, from my journalist background, that you know you're always trying to uncover the story or learn something new or add information. And when I first started, I, there was no information about the patch, and I mean there wasn't very much. Right. And definitely not many pictures. And um, since then, there's been more, but it's kind of also misinformed and so hopefully the film clarifies a lot of things well let's just backtrack for a minute and you talk about the great pacific garbage patch which we've talked about several times many times on this show Mm -hmm. and it is sort of this you know notion most people think of this giant floating island out there but but it's really not and i I love the the gentleman that you who really just discovered it or, or whatever he's the one that brought it to light um the the uh, 
uh, what was his name again? Charlie Moore. Thank you. Um, uh-huh. It was really interesting to hear him talk about it, and then you do some graphics and illustration to help us understand mm-hmm. that it's not mm-hmm. just like an island you can walk on, but it is like this massive uh, area. Yeah, I would say it's sort of like a minestrone soup of sorts, or like dust bunnies in your closet. It's not like what you envision it, and I think we are very small-minded in terms of how we perceive our oceans. Again, because it's so vast and so big, yeah. um, the idea that we can clean something up uh, isn't really the case yeah. um, in terms of you can't just vacuum the ocean. Or I know there's been a lot of talk about this ocean cleanup project yeah. um, as well, and there's been a lot of funding raised, and I think it's great to try to be innovative about things, but at the same time... Um, if you're, there's no source reduction, and if there's no education right, right. about what's going on, then it's just us kind of chasing our own tail. Yeah, we have to basically stop the hemorrhaging of plastic into the oceans. Right. And 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 you went to Midway Island, and mm-hmm. the stunning images of the plastic and these poor birds that, uh, and mm-hmm. the, there was one statistic about the albatrosses bringing, I think like. Wait, I wrote it down. 20, 20 tons or so of plastic. Yeah, five tons estimate. of plastic every year or something like that that they bring to the island, you know, because they mm-hmm. eat it, they poop, they die, it stays. You know, you, and you had images mm-hmm. of, you know, birdie bones and uh, their, you know, their their bodies are decaying and they got some bones and then there's plastic in there, which is barely digested. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. It's freaking scary. And, and of course... People understand that plastic is all over the planet, um, but you, your focus here is on the oceans and the devastating effects it is having on marine life. And the other thing that was illuminated to me was how these things can create these like giant tumbleweed things. You mentioned the tumbleweed term, and mm-hmm. really wreak havoc on coral reefs. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And that's a huge problem too. That has underestimated a lot. Underestimate. I don't think. It, I think it's barely reported. I've never. <laughs> yeah. I've never heard of that. And you go on to explain the vital importance, of course, of coral reefs to uh, marine life and the the health of our oceans. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, you touch on. You really did a very thorough. Wow, job. So, uh, thank for, you for your first film. I'm. I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> She gets a gold star for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Now, when, is the film out yet, or when is it coming out and available to people? It is. It actually just launched on Hulu today. We're on the front page of Hulu Movies. Oh, exciting. wow. That's very um, exciting. So you can watch it there, and you can also, if you're interested in purchasing a DVD or um, a digital download of the film, it's at plasticparadisemovie.com. Um, we're also um, available digitally on iTunes and Amazon and Google and a bunch of different places. And okay. then it, it airs on television on Pivot TV in the U.S. So Okay. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm going to just put it out there, and I'm sure you already have this facility, but, you know, folks in your communities maybe have like a movie night and, um, you know, an educational night and, and invite. Yeah, uh, we actually do have, um, I've been doing educational screenings. and. Yeah. 
traveling to different schools and chatting with different students and such. And um, that's all the information's on our website about how to host the screening as well. It's a great community event and brings people out together and discusses with, you know, um, activists and educators and um, leaders in the community because it really starts um, small and it starts really with what's around you and what we can do as people, um, as consumers. We vote with our wallets every day and um, we do have power. We have purchasing power and we also have the power to change. And I, I've seen that because I've seen how much has changed even in the research of the film of how the grassroots movement has pushed for bag bans or um, taxes in yeah. certain states. And well, um, someone... so that's really exciting. And you see it sort of as like, uh, you know, the tobacco industry. It was interesting. I was just in Barcelona for a film festival where we won an award. And oh, they stopped smoking um, is allowed in restaurants and such. And that in certain restaurants and um, in certain bars and such. And it was so weird and different. You know, <laughs> a lot of people smoke out there oh, yeah. still. And um, I just thought it was so strange. But, you know, in my lifetime and our, our lifetime, we've seen it go from, like, smoking on airplanes to, you know, the regulations now on tobacco are much farther because we know of the harmful effects of it. Well, I have to say that you have um, a piece in the film when you make the analogy to smoking and the industry kind of suppressing the information of how harmful it can be because um, mm-hmm. it's a good analogy. You have a uh, fantastic old advertisement with the Flintstones, okay? The Flintstones oh, right. advocating – it was an, uh, an ad for uh, Winston – Cigarettes. And I'm like, oh my God, Barney Rubble's pitching Winston. This is not right. But you know right, what? That, right. You know what do we know? See, I think what you're doing in in this film is so, uh, such a great illustration that if you see this film, it's very hard not to want to stop getting plastic bags whenever you know you can. Uh, you know, it's very hard to ignore once you see what plastic is doing to the ocean and then of course what it's doing to landfill and everything else is a whole different story but uh just the oceans alone is devastating right so yeah it's a great educational piece and uh was that your daughter was she uh, with you on on midway island as a volunteer no no definitely not i hope i don't have um not old enough to have a daughter. Well, I wouldn't old. have thought so, but I, um, there was another, a young a young girl. No, you know, it was actually, like, ironic because um, she's from Canada and she was a volunteer uh, who happened to have the same last name and everyone's like, I thought we were related. Well, I, <laughs> so, yeah. I, yeah, I, I mean, naturally so because we have the same last name, but no. <laughs> yes, of course, you're too young for that. But, <laughs> you know, one has to ask, you know, somehow. I could have said sister, I guess, right? Sorry. <laughs> <I> guess, <yeah. laughs> it's not because you look older, trust me. <laughs> so uh, what's next for you? Are you now propelled into the filmmaking world? Do you have other ideas? Um, you know, I have a lot of other ideas and um, working on the next project. Um, um, you know, I think I would be lying if I didn't say it was one of the hardest things I've ever done. <laughs> and there's a lot of things that I've learned from it. Um, so one of the things that I learned, too, is to, to be okay with asking for help and needing help. Um, yeah, yeah. And really, it does, does take a village. So, yep. um, 
you know, coordinating that and getting that all together. Even now, um, there's so much. It's not just creating the film, but promoting it and getting it out there and speaking with people. And um, there's so many things that I've learned. So I think for the next one, I'm happy to welcome the help if anyone's interested in volunteering or, you know, um, being part of the team. Um, I would love to continue with Ocean Issues, and there's a couple things in the mix. Um, but, yeah, um, it's all... My email is theplasticparadise at gmail, but um, they can also write us at, at the website, plasticparadisemovie.com. And, and yeah, I'm definitely, I check that email. I'm, I'm definitely accessible and willing to ask for help, for sure. Good for you, <laughs> so, and, and good for the planet. I'm, I appreciate the work you've done on this film, and I, and, and I bet there's a lot more coming from you that we can look forward to. So, everybody, please... Please uh, go to PlasticParadiseMovie.com and uh, look for this film. Watch the film. Share it with your friends. And please, please minimize your use of plastic for the sake of uh, the planet, our oceans, and uh, our animal and marine life friends. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so Thanks much. Thanks for having me. Okay. Bye-bye, Angela. All right. Bye. Hope you enjoyed that as much as they did. Please visit thegreendivas.com. That's T-H-E, greendivas.com. For more fun podcasts and information on the Green Divas and low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green. You've been listening to the Green Divas Radio Show. Be sure to look for this and other Green Diva Network podcasts on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, iTunes, Swell Radio, and Spreaker. Get social with the Green Divas on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Subscribe to the Green Divas YouTube channel to watch them in action. And for all the latest good green news, visit thegreendivas.com. That's T-H-E, greendivas.com. 